Good evening. Hey, welcome to Element City Church. We are thrilled to have you here, whether you are dialing in from home where you are or here in the room. Uh, thank you so much to many of you. I chatted with you uh, who helped us in volunteering yesterday. We had like over 300 plus people here for our Easter Family Festival. Had a, a ton of kids. It was um, a little chaotic, but we had a, had a lot of fun. And, and to a lot of you who watched kids bounce on a jumping castle for like two hours, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking in a little bit of the, I think it was the hottest day of the year so far, but beautiful. So thanks for wearing sunscreen. You don't look too red today. Um, and thank you all for praying for that and helping that. We just continue to pray that God would use uh, our church and Emmanuel as well. We got to partner together in doing that uh, just to, to let people even know who are driving by hey, this church cares about the community, this church is doing something, and so uh, let's just all pray together that maybe some will make their way back here, or others will just kind of notice, hey, and, and begin to, God continues to draw people here, and so if you happen to be new, uh, welcome. We, we know it takes courage coming to a new place, and so just a couple things to highlight. If you are new, we would love to meet you at what we call our 10-minute party. Guess how long it lasts? Yeah, less than 10 minutes. Uh, it's in that back corner right there. If you're online, you'd have to drive here to get here. And we give out the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. So I'm not, I'm not joking. We'd love to give that to you tonight if you happen to be new. And we'd love to invite you to download our free app, uh, Element City Church. If you just type that in at your app store, you can download that. On about the third tile down, there's a connect card. That's how we can connect uh, with one another. I promise we won't spam you, but like for five weeks in a row, we'll give you one text or one email. We know it's hard connecting to a new place. And so this is our way of trying to reaching out and trying and we can respond to that. You can respond to us. So we'd love to invite you to do that. I just, I love the fact of how our church just tries to love our community well. And so thank you to all of you who partner with us and helping us do what we do uh, in your financial giving around here and what that helps do. We're excited as we enter into Holy Week. Um, we've got something special planned for Good Friday that's going to be an online experience. So just reiterating that it's an online experience. We're going to have videos that launch at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m., kind of walking through a little bit of what transpired with Good Friday. So you can dial into our YouTube channel and find that either at those hours or later on that night. You can watch all four. Uh, there'll be some worship music with that and just invite you to kind of make that part of your experience for Good Friday as we make our way to Easter. And a final thing, uh, we are going, listen, our, <clears throat> our U of A Batcats are struggling right now, okay? The baseball team is struggling. So we are gonna go and cheer them on April 22nd because they need some help. And, uh, and so we are actually going to baseball game at High Corbett. We're selling tickets in the lobby and they're 10 bucks. All of that money will go to our fundraiser for our youth high school, our middle school camp this summer. So, Go out to a ball game with us and uh, help us raise some money for that. We're also going to do a kind of a potluck and dessert raffle at the end of May. So you can kind of put that in the back of your mind for those. So everybody doing well? Okay, okay, we're doing well, good. Um, hey, glad to have you here. And so if you're in the house, I'm gonna invite you to stand up. We're gonna pray for the Church of the Week, Order Valley Church in the Nazarene. This is where we packed uh, food on our serve uh, Sunday. Pastor Craig Coulter, uh, who I've known a long time, got to play golf with him. He's actually really good at golf. Um, and uh, he's a great guy, loves Jesus, and a great pastor. And so we wanna pray for Order Valley Church in the Nazarene. They've got a great sports ministry, and one of the prayer requests I know they have 
have is they're trying to get some rezoning in order to launch a whole new campus and a whole new sports ministry, taking it to another level in Northwest Tucson. And so I'd love to pray for them, pray for our time together tonight, and we'll lean into worship. Glad you're here. Uh, so just take 10 seconds, catch your breath. Maybe you've been coming, uh, running throughout your weekend. This is just an opportunity to kind of inhale, exhale, and go, okay, God, I'm here for you. So Lord, we do pause. We uh, kind of lean into your presence, invite your Holy Spirit, give you permission to move in our hearts and our midst tonight. Father, wherever we are, in the room or watching from our living room, God, you are able to be in our midst. So Father, we pray that you would move, that your activity would be released in our hearts and our spirit, our soul. Come, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Pray your blessing over Ori Valley Church of the Nazarene and uh, over, I know the sports ministry is something that you've given them a real heart for. Uh, would you continue to make and pave ways for that? Would you continue to influence and utilize them to, to reach the million plus people in our city that aren't connected into any faith community? So Father, would you continue to move in your church and our church and your church across the city? Would you have your way to move and to impact hearts? We pray for those that were part of the, the, the Easter family festival yesterday. God, would you draw some back into your presence? Would you woo their heart to you? As we worship you now, we give you this next few moments. God, would you mingle with our midst as we look into the message tonight, as we take communion tonight? Father, we just wanna have an experience with you. So Holy Spirit, we're here. Our hearts open to you. Would you move in our midst tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Oh 
That's right, we worship one name today. Let's lift this up, nations bow. Nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name. Over all, Jesus reigns, I know, I know. Sing that again. Nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name. Over all, Jesus reigns, I know. Psalm 24 asks, who is this King of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle. That's the Jesus that we worship tonight, amen? The guilty one walks free. 
All praise to Jesus Christ, High King of heaven, my King forever. All praise to the Lord most high. Just your voices. stand in this moment declaring you as Lord over our lives. It's just my prayer tonight, God, that these would be more than words to us. That this would just really be our heart's cry. Uh, just this moment of surrender to say that I lift my hands up and I lay my whole life down before you. Jesus, there's, there's something that you want to do in each and every one of our lives. There's a, a purpose that you've written on our hearts. There's a calling that you've given to every believer, to every person who would put their faith and their hope, their trust in you. And yet, if we're honest, sometimes it's just, it's really hard to hear your voice. It's hard to hear your leading. Sometimes it's hard to find our fit or to, to understand what it is you might be calling us to. And so Jesus, would tonight be a moment of clarity for every person who's here? Just to see first and foremost, we're called to submit to you as Lord. I know that here in this American context, the word Lord um, isn't as loaded as it is maybe in a place like England or, or Canada where there's an actual title, Lord. But I know so many of us have put our hope and our trust in you as our savior, and yet we've never laid down our lives to consider you Lord, to see you as king, to see you as the ruler over all. And to understand that you preserved your word for us so that we might know how you have called us to live, how you want us to live to bring you glory, how you want us to live so that we can feel fulfillment and joy as we fulfill our own purposes for your kingdom's sake. But Lord, that's, that's my heart tonight, that that message would, would come home and just nestle in our hearts. It wouldn't be something that we just know in our heads but that there would be a renewed resolve within all of us to let that be true. So Jesus, that can't happen under our own power. That can only happen by the power of your spirit, that we would give our lives over to you to be used as you would will. So Jesus, would your voice tonight, would it be louder than any other voice that seeks to speak to us? Would it be louder than any anxieties? Would it be louder than any fear? And as you speak, would you give us the courage and the conviction to offer our hearts up to you to change as you wish? So Lord, we just ask for your blessing over tonight. We ask for your anointing over this time that as we continue to worship in the word that you'd speak loudly and clearly. And so if you're up for it, take a moment to pray for yourself. Just throw up a prayer to God real quick. Just ask him to speak to you tonight.
take a moment to pray for Pastor Jack. Ask God to anoint him to speak through him tonight. God, we're asking that your Holy Spirit would speak to human spirit. In this moment, we trust you, Jesus, with what you want to do tonight. And it's in your holy, your precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. It's Palm Sunday beginning of Holy Week, so we take time to, to worship as we do every week, but there's something that maybe seems a little more significant tonight, and just invite you in as you lean into Holy Week, whether you're here or online, um, that, <clears throat> that this could be a space, a moment, as Lyle was praying, just that, that God would speak maybe in a fresh way to you. I know for some of you, you've talked about how just the roar of life uh, maybe the busyness of life kind of drowns out his voice, and maybe for some you've been searching, and maybe you just haven't heard. And, and uh, when we talk about hearing God's voice, it may not be audible, um, but it's it's kind of like deep down in your knower. That's the best way I know how to put it. It's like deep down in your knower, you just know, like God's communicating. He does that in a, in a host of different ways. So may you deep down in your knower just know this week that he's he, he's trying to connect with you and connect some dots for you and, and, and to meet you um, and, and just invite you into Holy Week. Maybe there's a, a reading plan. If you, if you have a Bible reading plan that you're doing, keep doing it. Uh, but if you not, maybe this is a week where you can say, okay, hey, I can do this for one week. Um, and maybe Holy Week, there's a lot of different examples of, of reading plans on version. It's a free Bible download app. And so I invite you to maybe log into that. I invite you to tune in on Friday for Good Fridays. We've kind of filmed for videos that will do some scripture reading, some pausing and reflecting moments, some uh, worship opportunity for you uh, just to kind of think about what Jesus went through. Uh, as we think about this is the week, this is the, the, the day that Jesus would have rode into Jerusalem and everyone is waving palm branches and, and praising his name and in just a few days, those cheers are going to turn to shouts as he goes through something for you and for me. And so as we enter into Holy Week, here's the thought I want you to kind of cement in your brain. Jesus entered Holy Week with you in mind. He entered into Holy Week and everything that would transpire with you in mind. He is a personal God who knows your name and longs for you to, to connect with him. And um, so this is... Palm Sunday, Easter is next week. We invite you back to, to celebrate our risen Savior. We know what he's going to endure, but that wasn't the end of the story. That's the best part of the story, is that the story didn't stop there. It kept going. And so the resurrection of Jesus is what we celebrate. And, and then the following week on the 16th, we're, we're having a baptism celebration. It'll be kind of a worship night. We've got a few folks that have already said yes, that they're going to kind of go forward in their faith and, and demonstrate that in baptism. And so if you've been kind of thinking about that for a while around here and you're like, you know what, I think, that's, I think it's my time 
to kind of say, yes, go all in on Jesus. Like I've been around him. I've been thinking about him. I've been trying to follow after him, but I've never really made that commitment. Maybe baptism is that expression, like that activity that you can lean into. Uh, and so just invite you to be thinking about that. Talk to, to Pastor Lyle, myself, to someone on our team and say, hey, I think I'm interested in that on the 16th of this month. And so we are doing communion tonight. So if you haven't got a chance to do that or you're at home, I've done it with like fish crackers and milk. So whatever you got around the house, uh, if you are here in the house, uh, feel free to grab some on the back table there. Uh, but as we kind of go into this, we're picking up in this series we started last week, um, looking at this idea of the battle in which we're in. As Jesus entered into Jerusalem in the Palm Sunday, so much of the, the palm branches, if you didn't know, which was stamped on the coin because of a revolt that happened a few hundred years before that and, and how it freed the Jewish people. And so they're waving palm branches because they're under the thumb of Rome and they're wanting Jesus to be the, the ruler, overthrow Rome, get us back uh, out of this tyranny that we're under. And Jesus is like, no, no, the tyranny you're under is actually a lot bigger than you think. It's not just a country that has you under their thumb. It's, it's sin and death that has you under their thumb. And, and I've come for a much bigger battle than you can even see. And what we started last week is looking into this idea of a battle in which we all have to tread and navigate. Whether you agree with it, recognize it, uh, see it, the reality is it's happening. And so what, when we talk about the, the spiritual warfare, we talk about battle, we, you look at the scriptures, you, you really cannot take Jesus seriously or the scriptures seriously if you ignore the reality of the battle in which we find ourselves in. So many of the early writers of the New Testament, uh, Jesus himself, so many uh, of what we see throughout the scriptures of the gospel accounts in the book of Acts recognize and, and kind of hear this warfare, this battle that we're in. So uh, just to kind of get this in your brain, think back to middle school days again and this tug of war. Anyone ever participate in a tug of war? Raise your hand. You participate in a tug of war. A tug of war is just two teams and opposing sides. They've got this rope and they're trying to pull each other across the, the line. Whatever the line is, whether it's into a mud pit, I've done it in a mud pit, way funner than just like in a gym floor. But um, this whole idea, there's this tug of war going on. There's rope burns. Like you feel this tug of war. And the reality is we all feel a tug of war in life. As we're people who are maybe trying to follow after Jesus, we understand that there is this battle, this tension that we all have to navigate. And maybe we can't even put our finger on it or even call it by a certain name, but we feel it. This tug of war that wants to pull us away from actually following after Jesus. And so many of the ancient writers talked about this idea that our enemy is not other people. Scriptures declare this. This is Ephesians chapter 6. The apostle Paul is saying, hey, our, our war, our battle, our tension is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and rulers of, of this world. Like there's a whole other realm around you that maybe you can't see, but you live underneath. We are to resist and we are to rest in the finished work of what Jesus accomplishes. That's what we celebrate at Easter that a guy declared his own death, he died, and he got back up. We serve a risen Savior. That's the hope that we have. Jesus is declaring, I've beaten the battle that was way bigger than you realized it was, and I've defeated it, and you can defeat it if you follow me. 
you can actually begin to live life. We took uh, in your sermon notes, if you have your app, you can go down to sermon notes and follow along. I, I put two or three book recommendations in there that we're kind of pulling from, but some of the ancient uh, Christian writers talked about the three enemies of the soul. We looked at this a little bit last week, kind of the counter trinity to the Father, Son, and the Spirit is the world, the flesh, and the devil. That these ancient followers of Jesus declared over and over, we're in a war. And so often it's a war around lies, the lies of the enemy. John Mark Comer in his book, Live No Lies, says this, our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from the captivity to lies and to liberate them with the weapon of truth. And we said for this series, kind of leading up to the victory we have in Easter, what we celebrate in Jesus, we have a key verse that we'd love to encourage you to memorize. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. The apostle Peter says, listen, here's how you fight this battle. Here's how you engage in this tension, this tug of war that's going on around you. You be alert and be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, he does prowl around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour, to detour, to derail in life. Here's what you're to do. Resist Your involvement in the spiritual war began the day you were born. You cannot ignore this war. The Bible does not say, ignore the devil and he will flee from you. It says, resist him. So how do we resist? We started looking at this last week. The idea we begin with resisting the lies of the world, our flesh, even the devil himself, who loves to whisper lies. Jesus said this about our enemy. He said he's not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. John chapter 8, verse 44. The devil will speak lies and try to get you to buy lies. That's the lies of the world, the lies of our own flesh in and of ourselves, the lie that the the enemy will whisper into culture, into us. It's part of the reason Jesus came as a rabbi, as a teacher. What is a teacher? A teacher is a truth teller, a moral cartographer, one who is, a cartographer is kind of a map maker. Teachers give us mental maps to reality. Here's how reality works. That's why Jesus spent so much of his time proclaiming truth and inviting humanity to follow him and his teachings, his way. Why? Because he's the author of life. As the author of life, he says, this is how life really works. This is the best possible way to live. This is how you find flourish. And this is how you can find fulfillment and satisfaction. It's why we remember John 10.10. Jesus said, look, the enemy, he's the thief. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come. I've come that you may have life. And there's these forces, these voices, these pulls, this tension, this tug of war that's trying to woo to your heart and woo after my heart and my soul and yours as well. Who will you trust? Whose mental map will you use to navigate your life? Because you will use one, and I will use one. Whose ideas do you trust? Is it the ways of this world? The ways of your own flesh? Is it the ways of the devil? Is it the ways of Jesus? And so that question is put before us. And so when we try to resist the lies that the enemy tries to whisper, we have to push back and resist. And how we resist is we just replace with the truth of Scripture. See, what you think about is eventually what you will live out. What you think about is eventually what you will live out. It will create new neural pathways into your neurobiology and even how you physically begin to live is how you think. And so what you give your thoughts to, the key is to think scripture. 
And every time you identify a lie that comes consciously into your head, we don't fight it head on, we just, we change the channel. And we say, okay, here's the lie that's coming at me, I'm gonna change the channel and begin to replace it with the truth that I see in the scriptures. I'm gonna flip the script, so to speak. In fact, that's a whole series we did a few months ago. And so if this is something you struggle with, wrestle with, lean into, I just invite you to go back to listen to how you create new neural pathways in your thought life to begin to take you out of some of the, the ruts we all get into if we just listen to the lies of the world or the enemy and how it begins to push us, or the lies even of our own flesh. And so tonight, I want to kind of go a little bit further. So we resist the lies, we replace with the truth, change the channel. And how else do we resist? Well, we want to resist by, by reminding ourselves of some truth that we can lean into, that we can tether ourselves to in Scripture as a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus and, and you're here, man, I think it's super awesome that you're actually spiritually investigating life. We want to be a place where you don't have to be part of the convinced to belong and to, and to kind of go on a journey. And so if that's you, great, keep going on that journey. For those of you who have maybe come to a place where you've surrendered your life to Jesus and said, listen, I'm going all in on him. I believe he really is the son of God, that his life, his death, his resurrection is what makes a way for me to have a right relationship with God. It's not about my efforts, it's not about my works, it's not about trying to be good enough. It's about my faith. I'm putting my trust just like you sat down in your chair tonight. No one in this room sat down in your chair and said, man, I hope this holds me up. You just sat down. You rested. Part of resisting is resting in the finished work of what Jesus did for you. That's faith. That's what it means to live a life of faith. And we need to remind ourselves of some truths that come with that. You need to become the CRO of your life, the chief reminding officer of your life and the lives of those that you love around you. We are to be tethered and anchored to what God says and who God says we are, our new identity that we've been given in Christ, not what the enemy tries to whisper to you. The enemy will always, because he's a liar, will always try to remind you of your brokenness and he will always call you by your sin. God will always call you by your name because he created you and he loves you and he is for you. And he will remind you of your new identity, which was a gift given to you, not by works so that no one can boast about it. This is my identity that I've been gifted. We live in a culture where you can create your own identity. Friends, that's hard work. That's, that's a lot of effort. It's a lot of struggle. The beauty of Christianity is here's your identity. It's been gifted to you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, not by works so that no one can boast about it. It's just a gift given to you. See, we resist by listening and leaning into God's voice primarily over the world's voices or the voices of our own flesh or what the devil is trying to create in culture. He will always try to influence and gain sway into our life. He will always try to pull up a chair to your table. So picture this table, right? Wednesday, I'm in Nashville at this conference, and 
<clears throat> I'm working on my sermon. And I go to Starbucks. Anyone ever been to Starbucks? So I like their coffee. It, it, well, I mean, I like all coffee. Well, most all coffee. I like foo-foo coffee. Okay, anyway, I'm sidetracked. Okay, so I go to Starbucks. I'm there. It's super crowded. Anyone ever been in a very crowded Starbucks? What do you do in a crowded Starbucks besides get frustrated? What you do is you find the only table that's available, and you take your backpack, and you put it in the chair because you're signifying your territory. It's kind of like marking your territory without the mess. Okay, so like it's, it's, this is my territory, this is my table, this is my area, my realm, if you will. And so I'm there and I go, and, and I put my backpack there, and I go up and I order, and I'm eyeballing my backpack, and make sure no, it's, it's not gonna walk or anything. I get back, I sit down, and the guy in front of me who ordered the coffee, he's just standing there on his phone. He's just kind of, he's got his phone. And I'm, I'm sitting here at the table and I'm beginning to pull out my iPad, beginning to work on my sermon and all that kind of stuff. And then this guy on his phone, phone guy, just does this. And sits at my table. Anyone ever been in that awkward moment? We're like, I'm here. I'm typing away. My coffee is here. And phone guy just sits down at the other seat at my table. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do in this moment. I, I looked at him. I, I was like, phone guy, um, this is my realm. Like, you're in my bubble. Like, my bubble has burst. Um, and phone guy's just on his phone, like, texting the entire time. And, and he just takes up a seat and then after about three minutes or so, he hears his name and he goes and gets his coffee and he comes back and he sits it on the table, texting, like he has not looked at me once the entire, we have not had any conversation, no even like head nod, no acknowledgement, no nothing, just typing away. And then he grabs his coffee and walks away. And I'm like, I can't sermonize right now, I just, I don't even know what to do. What, what just happened? I was sitting here, I was in my own realm, and like you just pulled up and sat at my table, and, and all I can think about was your presence there. Listen, this is how the enemy works. We have our table, we're at it, and God has created it and said, listen, I've made a table. This is what we see in Psalm 23, we'll get there in a minute, Psalm 23, I prepare a table before you, where? In the presence of your enemies. I prepare a table for you. It's a table meant exclusively in Hebrew, it's this idea of like an intimacy, God and you. And what happens is that the enemy doesn't want the intimacy. And so sometimes the enemy will just kind of sit down at your table. And just his presence will begin to create dynamics that are unique and different. And maybe it's a whisper here and there. Maybe it's just his presence kind of trying to pull your attention away from where your devotion needs to really truly be. And so here's the phrase I want us to kind of hold on to tonight. You ready? Resist the enemy, don't give him a seat at your table. Resist giving him a seat at your table. If that's all you hear tonight, friends, that can help you as you and I begin to become people who resist. 
Think back to those imaginary conversations where you have tension in your life. You remember the imaginary conversations? I know you guys don't have these. Occasionally I have them. Where that one tension or one conflict or one situation that you're trying to navigate, and it didn't go very well in person, and so later when you're driving down the road, you are winning the argument. Anyone ever been there? Like, you are dominating the argument, and you're like, how come I didn't think about this in the moment? Like, if I would have said this, this would have totally come. Like, and you're just going through, and you're occupied, and what soon you don't realize is how unkind you are, how unloving you are in that moment. But I'm winning the imaginary conversation that I'm not really having with a real person. I'm the one who's stuck in this moment. Or, or you've allowed your emotions to get you to a place and shape you and influence you to a point that later on in life you look back and you go, why was I so manipulated into unwise thought patterns and actions into emotions in that situation? You ever had a moment where you wake up, maybe it's weeks, maybe it's months, maybe it's years later, and you look back and you go, what in the world was I thinking? Am I the only one? Nobody else. Okay, at least there's some honest people here. This idea of like, how did my emotions get to a place? Have you ever had a good friend emotionally hockey check you? Listen, if you don't have a good friend who can emotionally hockey check you, you've been to hockey where they check you into the boards. If you don't have a good friend who can emotionally hockey check you, then you need a better friend. Because have you ever had the moment where a friend, God used a friend to hockey check you and say, listen, I don't think you're seeing this right. I think you've allowed your emotions. I think you've allowed the circumstances around you. You're beginning to see things in a skewed manner. And it's actually beginning to influence and impact you in a way. It's, it's detouring you and derailing you away from being your best. Do you have a friend like that? You ever had a moment where a friend hockey checks you like that? That's a gift. Why? Because they're beginning to recognize, hey, I think you've given the enemy a seat at your table. And I think he's beginning to have more influence and sway into you than you even can see in the moment you're in. And the truth is, scripturally, because of who we are in Jesus and the identity he's been given, uh, that we've been given through him, you don't have to let the enemy have a seat at your table. In fact, what you see in Psalm 23 is this call for us. We see it elsewhere in scripture. The message of Psalm 23, you've all heard this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack Nothing. Maybe you've heard this psalm before. It's one of the ones that's kind of in the fabric of our culture. It depicts a God who is personal and attentive and who's a shepherd in very nature and heart. He intimately cares for his sheep. He knows them and he will defend them. The shepherd will make you rested and well-fed. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21, Jesus talks about himself and the Father is the good shepherd. Jesus knows his sheep. He protects them from thieves and robbers. He lays down his life for his sheep. He guides and they listen to his voice. John chapter 10 actually personifies Jesus as the good shepherd we see in Psalm 23. And here's the incredible invitation. Jesus is saying, I want to be your good shepherd. 
He is personal. He is involved. God wants to shepherd you in life. And here's the truth. You are shepherded. You get to choose who your shepherd is. All of us are shepherded in a way, whether you realize it or not. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 19, Peter writes, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. So maybe culture is leading you. Maybe the anthem of this world is leading you forward. Maybe it's social media or the relationship flow uh, that you're in is leading you. Some of you say, well, no, 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 no. I don't have a shepherd. No one leads me. I lead me. Okay, look in the mirror. You're the shepherd. Everyone's shepherd in some way. And what the scriptures are saying is, listen, you have a good shepherd. Will you submit to letting him lead you? So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. You will have one. You can choose. He's inviting you to choose him. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It's not on me to refresh my soul all the time. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And then the psalm changes. So it's this beautiful language, this tranquil language, this well-fed, well, you know, kind of hydrated, this beautiful passage, and then it just changes on a dime. Even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. It's your rod and your staff that comfort me. Did you see it? Even though I will. Even though I go through the hard times, I will choose to let you continue to shepherd me. It's a choice moment. It's an invitation. Why can I do that? Because you are with me, even in the midst of the hardship. And then verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God says, I prepare a table before you. If I had written this verse, I would have written it differently if I'm honest. God, it's awesome that you're preparing a table like for you and me to hang out, like intimacy for us to connect and grow. Like, that's awesome. Can we do it by the window and then I can watch you smite my enemies? I'd like to watch from a distance, just you and me, buddy, buddy. I don't want like a table in the midst of everything. Like, I live in the midst of everything. And God's like, yeah, that's why I'm putting the table there. I'm putting the table there. It's the table laden with the richest affair. It's all the good food to eat. It's like, it's like the Lord knows that you love Sace Kitchen. Oh, have you all ever been to Sace Kitchen? I'm telling you, it's so good. Listen, Mexican food's the food of heaven, I'm telling you. Um, so like Sace Kitchen, like God's got this table prepared. It's a feast from Sace Kitchen, Mexican food. If you don't like Mexican food, you better get used to it if you want to go to heaven. Okay, so uh, like this is beautiful food. Like it's gorgeous, it's awesome, it's there. God, I want that and I want that with you. But God sets the table up in the midst of the hospital room. God sets the table up in the midst of the family that's being ripped apart. God sets the, the table up in the midst of the divorce, in the midst of the death, in the midst of the loss, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the rejection, in the, in the midst of the difficult decisions that are weighing on you, in the midst of the anxiety, in the midst of the depression, in the midst of the struggles that nobody knows about. Jesus God, the Spirit, prepares the table there 
and they invite you, here is where you and I are going to connect. Will you let me shepherd you here? No, no, let's go by the window. I want you to smite my enemies. I want to watch it. No, no, no. See, you don't get out of the battle. You don't get out of the struggle. It's right in the middle of it. And why can you enjoy the table right there? Because who is at your table? It is God who is at the table. And his table is meant for you and him. And why you need to remind yourself and why I need to be the CRO of my life is to remind myself in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the tug of war, in the midst of the battle, of whose you are. Jesus has claim over your life. The power to live freely comes from your close association with Christ and his victory. We will still walk through the darkest of valleys our entire life. We will still sit at the table surrounded by enemies our entire life. The battle isn't won because the pressure's let up. The battle is won because of who walks through the darkest valleys and who sits at the table with you. Colossians 3.3 talks about how our lives are now hidden with Christ. Imagine a hidden room in a house or a hidden pocket inside a coat. When something is hidden, it is both concealed and secure. Your brand new righteousness that is a gift to you from Jesus isn't a fleeting thing. It isn't a fading thing. It's protected and safe. We need to train our minds and our heart to believe. I am a new creation in Christ, not because of what I do or what I perform. I'm a new creation because it's a gift from God. And he says so. I am his. He is mine. And we are at the table together. Ephesians 2.6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Friend, that is above your pay grade to get to. But you got gifted the seat with Christ. You ever been to a baseball game? Maybe the Diamondbacks or ever been to a, a sporting event where sometimes they have a contest where it's the seat upgrade and they find a couple people who are in the nosebleed sections. How many of you are fellow nosebleeders? That's me. That's where I sit. That's, I can afford it. I go there. I'm in the nosebleeds. And I've never won the seat upgrade, but I've seen it. And it looks awesome because they pick two people in the nosebleeds and they pull them down right to front row, right behind home plate, and they got a couch. They're not in the bleachers seats like crammed in there. They're on a couch. And they got people bringing them food, and they are excited. Why? They got the upgrade. That's what Ephesians is saying. What the Apostle Paul is saying. Listen, you got the upgrade because of Jesus. He upgraded you, and you're in the best seat in the house, and the table is there. Listen, it's still surrounded by the struggle. It's still surrounded by the challenge, but you've been upgraded. That's the truth of 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on you, on me, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we really are. See, the enemy loves to remind you of, of your sin, loves to remind you of your brokenness, but the Spirit always reminds you of whose you are and the new identity that you've been given. You are a child of God. You're not a slave. 
You're you're not a a buddy of Jesus. You're a co-heir in Christ. You got the upgrade, and you ride with him now. We can resist giving the enemy a seat at our table because we understand it all starts with our new identity, not our current performance or our current faithfulness or the lack thereof. It's our identity. You remind yourself that Jesus has already won the struggle. You ride with him, and because you are joined with him, whatever he won, you won. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you, the Apostle Paul would say. You remind yourself of whose you are and of who is with you. The devil can annoy you, can harass you, but he cannot lay claim over you as one who is now hidden in Christ. Your new identity is secure. You are a child of God. If you are a child of God, then no one else can lay claim to you. God is bigger than any challenge or harassment the enemy will ever throw your direction. 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God. You are dear children to him. You've already won a victory because the spirit who lives in you is what? Is greater than the one who lives in this world. You have the one at the table who is greater than anything the enemy ever whispers or everything he ever tries to get you to buy the lie of or to follow after. See, we start to realize the power of this table that God sets is not what's on it. It's not Say's Kitchen, though it's good. It's not what's set on the table. It's who sits at the table with you. Because the story we're in is about the greatness of our God, not your greatness. We live in a culture that says, make it all about you. Make yourself great. No, no, no. The Christian life is about saying, look how great he is. I'm just riding his coattails. I just, I got the upgrade. I've been upgraded. Not because of anything I've done, but because I'm with him. He's with me. He's the good shepherd. Jesus gets the glory because he's the greatest shepherd of all. Become the CRO of your life, the chief reminding officer of whose you are, as a follower of Jesus, you're his. And who sits at your table? And when the table is small and you remember who's there, you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, then there's really no room for the enemy to try to pull up a chair. Don't entertain it. Don't allow him to stick around. Resist him, the scriptures say. You resist the lies. You resist by reminding yourself the truth. You resist by remembering. And so as we pause to take communion, we'll end with worship here in a moment. It just invites you, again, if you need it, to grab some from the table back there. There are two sacraments that we see in the New Testament that are given to us that talk about our faith. One is the sacrament of baptism. Baptism is a picture of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and that we are baptized into his life, his death, and we're raised to live a new life with him. If you've ever wanted to do that, a couple weeks from now, we're gonna have a celebration. We'd love to celebrate you as a church family, going forward in your faith, saying yes to Jesus, acknowledging that in baptism. The other sacrament we're given is the Lord's Supper. To remember, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And so as we enter into Holy Week, we remember that it was Jesus, his life, his willful decision to ride into Jerusalem on that day 
to the cheers of the crowd that he knew would turn to crucify him. Crucify him. Not Hosanna any longer. But he did that because he had you in mind. There's no way that they're going to find a way to have a relationship with a perfect and holy God. It's above their pay grade. It's too far out of reach. I need to upgrade their seat. Jesus, would you go? Yes, Father. So Jesus took the cup that night. And he said, hey, this is my body that is broken for you, given for you. There is no way for you to, to earn your way up to the relationship with the Father. But he sent me as a rescuer of souls, available in my brokenness for the forgiveness of sin, the restoration of relationship. So Jesus said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He also took the cup that night, passed around to his followers and said, this is the cup in the new covenant, the shedding of my blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's not up to you to earn your way. You get the upgrade. Just put your faith in me. Let me shepherd you. I'm a good shepherd. You can shepherd yourself. You can do that if you want. But I'm the author of life. You want to know the best possible way to live? Let me shepherd you. Let me show you. Let me lead you. And, and let me prepare a table before you, even in the presence of all the mess all the heartache, all the setbacks. I'm with you. I'm for you. You're mine. So Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. So Father, as we sing this final song, do you move in our midst? Jesus, would your clarity be here? Spirit, would your nudging be upon hearts? Maybe those who have been searching around for you, you're calling them home into relationship with you. For those of us who have gotten stuck and we've allowed the enemy to pull up a chair and sit at the table for too long, we can resist. You've given us the power to do that, the authority to do that because of who you are and whose we are. So, Father, would you move in this song as we give our hearts space to experience you, we pray. There was a moment when the lights went out When death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history They were on a cross they made for sinners 
For every curse his blood atoned One final breath and it was finished But not the end we could have known For the earth began to shake In the veil What sacrifice was made as the heavens roared? Oh, hail King Jesus! Oh, hail the Lord of heaven and earth!
Father, we praise you. Jesus, we look to you. You're the savior of the world, of our world, my world. You're the one who sits at our table that you prepared, inviting us into intimacy and connection with you. And we don't have to be sidelined or detoured or derailed by anything or anyone. Or to keep our eyes on you. So thank you for entering Holy Week with us in mind. Would you help us to see you in your scriptures this week, to sense you in our life, to hear from you deep within. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, it's so good to to gather to do church and do life with you. And again, if you are interested in baptism a couple weeks from now, we're gonna be doing that, having a worship experience and a time of celebration. And so if that's you, talk to Lyle, myself, to Amy out at the table, to Anya, to whoever. Uh, we'd love to celebrate you with that. Uh, we do have our second Saturday food distribution this next Saturday, which is the Saturday after Good Friday. And it's unique because Carry Ministries is gonna be closed on Good Friday. Okay, normal, um, on Good Friday. So we're actually packing on Wednesday at 8 a.m. If any of you are available to help us do that. And then we'll serve it on Saturday, second Saturday. So if you're new around here, that's an easy on-ramp to volunteer with us. So we meet here Saturdays at 8 a.m. right out here. 8 a.m. at Caring Ministries on Wednesday if you're able. Um, so we'll have a few people, a few others too, that will help pack uh, a pallet of food. We'll give it out. Uh, pray with folks on Saturday. But on Friday, we invite you to tune in to our YouTube page. 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. Videos will be released uh, opportunity for you to kind of lean into Good Friday, all that what Jesus did for you, what he went through for you, a chance to contemplate and reflect a little bit as we prepare to celebrate on Easter. Sound good? We're excited to celebrate Easter with you, invite a family, invite friends with you. Next week, if you want information on the baseball games out there, a 10-minute party will happen in the back. If you're new, we'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party uh, and just kind of meet your, hear your name. Uh, we have a group of people to go out to food, dinner every Sunday, Taco Tote off of Wilmot uh, is tonight. In about 20, 25 minutes, the people will be there. Uh, we invite you to partake in that. Otherwise, friends, may, may this Holy Week May you again remember that Jesus went into it with you in mind. And may he whisper to you. May you hear his voice. May you recognize the table you're invited to with him. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.